0: This episode of The First Three Knocks is brought to you by The Traveling Ambassador. With thousands of design options, The Traveling Ambassador can help design and produce your next commemorative challenge coin for your lodge or district. They also have a great catalog of existing pins on their website, ready to order. Check out their collection at www.thetravelingambassador.com
1: To the first three knocks, the Masonic podcast in the District of York, where we discuss topics for the betterment of Masonry. The opinions discussed
0: in this podcast are those of the individual and do not represent the views of Grand Lodge or any other Masonic body. Now, here are your hosts.
1: Good evening, brethren. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to Temple Tuesdays. It is October 13th and we are approaching Halloween. Happy Halloween. Hello, my brethren. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? I'm excellent. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Worshipful brother Bert Tellier, past master of the Rising Sun Lodge in Aurora, Ontario. And this evening you have <laughs> with you your co-host. I'm not Gino Scovio. I think we have Count Dracula with us tonight. I, I didn't know.
2: I'm trying to add a little Halloween twist, and I think I got a little bit of Count Dracula mixed with my Italian.
1: Your
0: Italian roots.
2: But it is your co host, Brother Gino Scovio, Rising Sun Lodge, current uh, junior warden.
0: And Brother Steve Sprott of Zerdath Lodge in beautiful, historic Uxbridge,
1: Ontario, even on Halloween. <laughs> Ooh, especially Halloween.
2: He always puts that in there, right? Eh?
1: Yes, he does. Well, we have a special Halloween episode for you this evening. Uh, Sprata, you, you have done, a, of course, another impeccable <laughs> job getting some very
2: surprise, surprise.
1: exciting uh, Halloween stories from uh, brethren uh, around the world, essentially. So we have some great stories that we want to share with you tonight. Uh, it's a very special time for Masons as we change seasons. The harvest is uh, complete and we move into the next chapter where there's less light
2: we got a lot of cool things in October. We have two full moons in October, if nobody has been following. Uh, October 1st was the first full moon, and on the eve of Halloween is uh, the next uh, full moon. Obviously, it should have been going into the November months, but it's going to be there for us on october 31st which is a saturday which also happens to be halloween this year so
1: man that's exciting it's like that the triple th- full storm. moon and yep. it's a saturday oh. which is a rare event in itself although it is uh, unfortunately covid time i was going to say in just Indiana. what we need for 2020 <laughs> right <laughs> so you guys have a great time on zoom for your <laughs> halloween parties enjoy your you know, virtual been parties
2: a lot of i think uh well we haven't got the final yes or no yet here from our local authorities and, and municipalities and province and whatnot but uh um i think so far some of the townships are doing pretty good in recognizing that they're still gonna have some obvious halloween festivities going on here in aurora we have the haunted greenhouses uh, they normally do a big theme in uh shepherd's bush just around the oh corner. yeah but uh, they they've moved it to the greenhouses to make it a bit more safer for everybody and uh, there's also goodie bags you can purchase which is apparently a nice little uh, toys and little gifts and treats that will last an entire week so not just one night of candy a oh, whole and week neat. of candy so oh, that's cool and i'm sure that most people will still try to do what they can within what we're allowed to here in ontario and and beyond so but there's going to be a lot of parts of the world i'm sure our friends south of the border are going to still partake in certain uh, degrees of halloween so as we always say, be safe, be good, and uh, check all that candy.
1: Yeah, enjoy. Enjoy. Hey, Sprotty, I was thinking, you know what I'm going to miss the most this year in our, our COVID year is uh, the Halloween haunt at Canada's Wonderland. That was, uh, that was one of our traditions. Yeah, they did a good job. Traditions.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I wonder if any of the other uh, U.S. parks are open for it. Yeah. Because they have it all over and, uh, you know, Knott's Farms and all that. So it would be interesting to
1: see. Yeah. I mean, that was always a highlight for yeah. people. Yeah, for sure. We bring our daughters, and uh, they, of course, lose their minds because it's scary. <laughs> well, but uh, it might
2: not be scary. But uh, I know Vaughn, which where Wonderland is in, they have um, a drive-through Halloween lights display right now.
1: Oh, yeah, oh, that's kind cool. It's uh, yeah. pretty
2: cool. And so again, we were thinking of maybe visiting it. I've seen some people post some pictures, although I'm sure you're not really allowed to post too much. But it's really cool. You got the. It's all in your car. Again, you tune into some of the music that they've set. Some is it pretty creepy and eerie. And some was like, I think, blazing to Metallica. And it's just all these (laughs) light shows going on. And uh, and again, it's all Halloween themed. So it's really cool. I thought Yeah, it's interesting to see how uh, these businesses
0: and kind of communities are adapting too. I know the drive-in in in Newmarket was doing some stuff in Mount Albert. Yeah,
2: Yeah, they were putting on, I think, um, outside of when they were finally good to start showing some shows, they did some drive-in concerts. So they were, Metallica uh, being one yeah, of them, I think. Yeah, they were like I think live streaming it or something from wherever it was, and uh, and off he went, and you just hung out in your car, or in, I guess the circle that was drawn for your car, and had some friends that went. and They said it was like again something fun to do. Or yeah, different, something different. Yeah, kind of made you feel normal out there, you know. Yeah, yeah,
1: very cool. Well, let's jump into a couple of these stories that we received. We got uh, we've got some very creative uh, brothers out there. This is some great stuff. This first story is coming from Midnight Freemason, and this is brother Stephen L. Harrison, who is a past master. It's called The Last Chance Halloween. I figure I'd better get upstairs. I didn't want to go to the seance. Yes, the seance. And after that, the top three floors would be closed forever. I'd worked in the building three years and never been up there. This was my last chance. With no working elevators, I hoofed it up the stairs and emerged in a dark fourth floor hallway of the doomed building. My eyes adjusted and I slowly made my way to the rooms in the northwest corner. I opened the door and entered the fabled room. There were no drapes covering the windows and the bright light nearly blinded me. The room was stark and dirty. To my left was a broken wheelchair. A sink jutted out from the bar wall. Its basin was stained and dusty. Beneath it was a wastebasket, full. A bed frame with an old mattress was over by the window. All told, the room was disappointing. It just didn't seem, well, as auspicious as it should have, given what had happened there many, many years ago on Halloween. Halloween and Freemasonry, there are probably many tie-ins with all the costumes worn and degree works, skulls and other symbols. And that's before the conspiracy theorists weigh in. Occasionally, though, the pairing of the mysterious holiday in the Freemasonry brings to mind images of Harry Houdini, a life member of St. Cecil Lodge 568, New York City. A man of mystery, you could almost say Brother Harry lived Halloween 24-7. Aside from being arguably the world's greatest magician and escape artist, Houdini maintained an abiding interest in the paranormal. He did not, however, deceitfully promote it as he felt many did. He despised fraudulent seers and mediums and worked tirelessly to expose their chicanery. He made many attempts to communicate with his mother after she died but found no evidence of contact. Still, feeling communication with the other side was possible, he made a pact with his wife, Bessie, that the first to die would attempt to contact the other through a coded message. No one knows what the full message was, but part of the pact was that Houdini would open a pair of silver handcuffs they owned. Bessie never received any communication from Houdini after his death, but hundreds of psychics claimed they did. On Halloween 1936, the 10th anniversary of his death, she held a final seance in which he failed to appear. After that, Bess declared the search over and said she believed he could not come back. It is finished. Two years later, she created a firestorm in the world of spiritualists. When playing herself in the film Religious Racketeer, she said she did not believe communication with the dead was possible. During his life, the great Houdini did everything he could to separate the fake aspects of spiritualism from what he thought might be real. Shortly before his death, he testified before Congress against spiritualists and fortune-tellers licensed to practice in Washington DC. So adamant was he that they were charlatans. The hearing broke out in a shouting match and some of the spectators tried to attack Houdini. On the other hand, still believing there was some communication with the spiritual world, he worked with Thomas Edison in an attempt to develop a delicate psychic detecting instrument. The object of the ghost machine, as it was called, was to be so sensitive it could detect the presence or touch an ethereal being from another world there is no evidence the machine was ever built on october 26 1926 houdini received a painful blow to the stomach in a demonstration at mcgill university in montreal contrary to popular opinion most medical experts believe the blow was unrelated to the appendicitis attack that followed however houdini failed to get treatment thinking the pain in his stomach was due to the punch to his abdomen After his appearance in Montreal, he traveled to Detroit, where he collapsed at the end of a performance. Five days later, on Halloween, Harry Houdini died. I was standing in a nondescript empty room on the fourth floor of Old Grace Hospital in Detroit. The building, once considered progressive and modern, had deteriorated to the point that it would be torn down in a few months. I ran the information technology department downstairs, and once my group moved out, The wrecking ball moved in. I soaked it all in. Somehow, it just didn't seem that special. But shortly, several people in the news media this year, including Time Magazine, would gather there as they had done for years on Halloween. This wasn't just any room. This was the very place where on October 31st, 1926, Brother Harry Houdini died. I took a final look and turned to leave. As I walked away, people filed past me to enter the room for Houdini's last seance. Houdini, as had been the case on every Halloween and Grace hospital since he died, did not show up.
2: Mrs. Houdini, the zero hour has passed. The 10 years are enough. Have you reached a decision? Yes, Houdini did not come through. My last hope is gone. I do not believe that Houdini can come back to me or to anyone. After faithfully following through the 10-year Houdini compact, using every type, medium, and seance, it is now my
1: personal and positive belief that spirit communication in any form is impossible. I do not believe that ghosts
2: or spirits exist. The Houdini Shrine has burned for ten years. I now reverently turn out the light. It is finished. Good night, Harry.
1: This is from Steve Harrison. Thirty-second degree is a past Master of Liberty Lodge Number Thirty-One, Liberty, Missouri. He is the editor of the Missouri Freemason Magazine. Magazine, author of the book Freemasonry Crosses the Mississippi a fellow of the Missouri Lodge of Research and also its senior warden. He is a dual member of Kearney Lodge Number 311, St. Joseph, Missouri Valley of the Scottish Rite, Liberty York Rite, Moila Shrine, and is a member of the Demolay Legion of Honor. Thank you, brother.
2: Great Thank story. You. Yeah, that was a
0: great story.
1: Yeah, that was great. Fantastic. Some nice
0: history there and a little spookiness on top
1: of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Harry Houdini, I mean, he's uh, he's as mysterious as they come, huh?
2: And I didn't know that he graced uh, Canada here with some shows out in the Montreal area. Yeah, McGill, yeah.
1: Yeah, I didn't know that was, cool. the you know, the final
0: blow
2: was, yeah. uh,
1: in Montreal in Canada.
2: Kind of ties it all in. And again, I didn't even know he was a brother. There you go. until that, uh, that uh, letter we got there, so that was awesome.
1: Once again, we're uh, shocked to learn that uh, very special, unique people end up being Freemasons, huh? <laughs>
2: surprise, surprise, right?
1: <laughs> Big surprise. That actually makes me think of a,
2: a recent brother. I won't uh, name names yet, but uh, he kind of strikes me as the potential current today's modern day Harry Houdini, and So maybe we'll uh, put some stuff together when we can get out of this COVID bubble and... Uh, expose him to the world it's sprotty isn't it <laughs> steve <laughs> sprotty. Be, i don't know <laughs> mayor of <Ooh>. Uxbridge. it is <laughs> hey, uh masonry have any ties to halloween that we know of
1: well actually yeah i just uh, i pulled this piece up which i, I found very interesting from uh, one second here this is from universal freemasonry halloween origins traditions and masonry and i'll cut to the masonic portion of this meanings beneath the surface It's impossible to consider the symbolic meaning of Halloween without associating it with the shadow, the aspects of the self which have been rejected from the light of consciousness, and thus dwell in the darkness of the unconscious, taking on a life of their own and occasionally coming to haunt us, as the ancient traditions focused on the dead gradually transformed over time into various witches, vampires, and other monsters. The prominent figures and symbols of Halloween have come to be various manifestations of shadow aspects of the psyche. The werewolf, for instance, is a representation of our wild and beastly selves, particularly those aspects which are hidden during the day but emerge at night. The witch is naturally the feminine power of intuition and magic twisted and gnarled in its rejection from the masculine dominated consensus world of daylight. Vampires are the parasitic and predatory aspects of the self, particularly when it is disconnected from its own natural life force, which of course burns if it is touched by the light of day. Frankenstein can be seen symbolically as the monstrous alter ego created by the intellect in its rejection of the mysteries of femininity, spirit, emotion, and the need for human relating. Our willingness to celebrate, dress up, as, and thus embody these shadow elements then can be seen as a way of facing and embracing these various neglected or rejected aspects of ourselves and thus transforming them with the light of consciousness. Understanding their symbolic meaning is the next step beyond simply reveling in their spooky stories and ghoulish aesthetic thus although the two are not often connected we can find in halloween the sacred masonic principle from darkness to light well done that was well written yeah Yeah, that was really good this is uh from uh, as i said universal freemasonry and this is written by jonathan dinsmore uh it was presented a year ago so really really good piece of masonic uh, work on halloween mm-hmm.
2: we literally have like little ties into pretty much every little piece here and there right mm-hmm. we just did our thanksgiving this past weekend and i was trying to do some research and we talked about that and uh, there was a little bit of the cornucopia which is what our deacons were uh no our um stewards sorry yeah the stewards of the craft so yeah it was kind of had a little bit of tie in there and whatnot but uh yeah, I think every season or every little holiday has some form of uh, Masonic tie-in or maybe something we took from it that we present in what we do here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's really incredible. I mean, Thanksgiving in Canada here it was our Thanksgiving this past weekend and uh, we had a lot to be thankful for. We did. This year. We did. How did you celebrate, Gino? You know? uh,
2: well, I got together with uh, my mom and dad and my brother and it was very small mm-hmm. and uh, typically we have 30 40 people sitting down it's, oh wow you know my 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 only grandmother that's still remaining my aunts and uncles on uh, dad and mom, mom's side um all the kids and stuff so it it it's basically like a, a startup to what's coming of Christmas and all the holidays and such, right? So we're just now, hey guys, are we going to start planning for this and do that? And so this year was literally nine of us as opposed to 30 of us. And it was, uh, it was nice. It was a little bit more intimate. We got a little bit more time with each other, but we've been doing that for the last while now. So would have been nice to be able to have more family around but to actually we put the ipad on in the corner and we all did have dinner together which was kind of fun oh that's neat. but also distracting because when you're trying to enjoy your <laughs> they had finished dinner and we were just sitting down so like what are you eating i'm like well i'm trying to eat turkey but
1: <laughs> you keep talking you to keep me.
2: talking so can someone actually cut me? the wi-fi or something i don't know <laughs> but it was fun uh how'd you guys do
1: we were up in uh, Collingwood visiting my uh, mother-in-law and uh, we went out and did a hike up in the Blue Mountains, which was oh, beautiful. I got to tell you though, it was busy. It, it was shockingly busy. Yeah, it, well,
0: f- people aren't going away, yeah. you know, leaving the country, yeah, traveling to see Everyone's stuck family. here, right? Yeah. So,
1: And I, I imagine a lot of folks from Toronto trying to get out of the city yeah. just to get a little bit of fresh air and uh, they were in Blue Mountains this weekend, I can tell you that. How about you, Sprottie? Uh It was pretty low key for me. Uh, yeah. I, a lot of people on
0: Jess's side, uh, you know, they were still iffy about COVID and all that, and uh, some of them work in more high-risk sectors. Um, and same with my family side; is we kind of just wanted to stay away and. Distance ourselves, um, so Jess and I really just, uh, we made a turkey dinner for ourselves and celebrated ourselves and then, you know, Good. made our round of calls and said hi to everyone, but it's, uh, it was definitely different this year. Different. Yeah. Um, like Gino, um, I get together with my three sisters, my parents, the side of the family for another day. And usually, you know, over the span of the, the three days, we're seeing, you know, 25, 30 people. So right. it was different seeing, you know, just Jess. So
2: <laughs> yeah, that's the other. normally we do again a whole round. So we have like four or five different Thanksgiving dinners within that weekend. Mm-hmm. And it was just the one It was nice, like quaint, intimate. And we made do. We made do. Good. Yeah. Good funny how you said about everybody being up north too I remember uh, recently a colleague posted she works up north up in the cottage country oh yeah and uh, she was saying I think it was two weeks ago we still had a little bit of some nicer weather on weekends and they closed down Algonquin Park because there were too many people trying to go wow. The hiking. wow really she's in all the years she's lived up there and and Any history she tried to look, they've never had it shut down to the public like that. That's incredible. So if you didn't have a campground or were going to the campground because you paid for your permit, they weren't letting you in anymore. And the picture she sent was just hundreds of cars on both sides of the two lane road just because, you know what, I mean, they're not going to let you in there, but there's still a trail through the forest, right? You find your way. But it was just, again, strange times. And I yeah. have a cousin who works out in the Muskokas, and obviously, Muskokas are beautiful for anybody that uh, doesn't know them. They're, again, Northern Ontario here, and especially our this cottage, country. cottage country. Cottage yeah. country. The foliage, obviously, is just so stunning. And for some, strange reason i don't know as i said if it's more because of covid and we are stopping to smell the roses but the vibrant colors that we're seeing this year i don't know that i've noticed them before so vibrant you know Hmm. like they're really standing out but uh same thing he said you know you get your seasons but now is kind of when we're starting to see a little bit of a dip and it's full steam ahead wow we've not had a break at all so wow it's been going good well but uh I'll uh, get into the next story from our brother. However, I want to just quickly share here at the Rising Sun Temple, or the Aurora Masonic Hall that we also refer to. It was built in 1877. And um, I have not, uh, not personally heard, although I've heard the odd thing here and there. We have an old building. It's 143 years. And there's a couple of brethren in here that suggest that we have a little bit of a... Spirit that is uh, a very friendly one. Uh, you don't might feel it. some pre- Well, Doug's <laughs> always with us. We know that. But uh, and I don't know. We tried to look on the past masters board to see if there was a past master. Apparently, the guy's name is George. I don't know if that was just a nickname they gave him or something. But every once in a while, you hear some footsteps upstairs. Oh. Uh, and and or you. Which is like just an attic, a, right? Just an attic. Yeah. yeah. We have like our lockers up there, and you know, when especially. I mean, I'm one of the people on the, the the board here for the temple corporation so obviously do a little bit of the caretaking so I come here often and I'm here a little bit alone and you enjoy I haven't time. Uh, I haven't uh, I I could feel that there's a good presence but I, I haven't heard or seen anything float around yet but <laughs> it's there are claims that we have a, a friendly uh, visitor here and Oh. He does uh, brother watch Casper. over, and so far it's been good. Apparently th- some things have been knocked over, some things have made noises, but nobody's really...
1: Mostly when the ritual is
2: poor. Ah, there you go, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> 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 so that leads me into our next story. <laughs> uh, worshipful brother Michael Joyner, past master of Richmind Randolph Lodge Number 19 in Virginia writes, Good evening, my brethren. I would like to share a few stories regarding mason's hall in virginia which i should first tell you is the oldest lodge building in america that is exclusively for masonic purpose
0: we'll have to fact check that but we'll get back to you
2: <laughs> ground was broken in 1785 and the building was completed in 1787 and stands a foot of church hill in richmond virginia to this day richmond Randolph Lodge number 19 has been meeting in the Blue Lodge room on the third floor for 233 years. Wow! And we are also the current caretakers of the Historic Grounds. The hall also once served as Grand Lodge of Virginia from 1786 until the late 1870s. I was fortunate to be the Worshipful Master from 2015 to 2016. Our first story begins on the third floor, when we were having lodge practice one evening. No one was in the temple but a few officers. From the candidate's room came a very loud bang. When we went to check it out, a two-story ladder had been moved from one side of the room over eight feet to the other side of the room and the candidate's cable toe was swaying back and forth as if it had just been placed back on the wall. We suspect it was our 19th century caretaker, Uncle Josh, doing a little straightening up around the building. As you can imagine, the old building often requires lots of maintenance. My brethren have reported strange feelings over being watched while puttering around the building by themselves late at night. The second most common apparition would be the past Grand Secretary, also from the 19th century, Wright Worshipful and Dr. John Dove remembered as a dapper dresser he has been seen descending from the main floor down into the basement dining room where he will throw a glance at industrious brothers then proceed a walk through the exit door sometimes he is an unfocused glowing silhouette other times he can be visible in a top hat and tails my last tale takes us back to the dressing room on the third floor Some paranormal investigators have gotten recorded EVP voice messages from a young boy who lived across the street from the hall in the mid 19th century. The fading horses and mule logo is still visible across the way where he lived. The home where he resided until passing away from a childhood malady. When listening to the radio recording, one sentence can clearly be heard. The Masons let me play here in a strong English accent. One night, I was first to open the lodge for degree work. I went to the dressing room to change for work from my work's clothes into a suit and tie. As the sun set from behind me, I heard a low but clear sound of a young boy with a slight cockney tone say, it's good to be here. I searched the building and I was very much alone. There are just a small number of unexplained incidences that have led to Mason's Hall being dubbed by local ghost hunters the second most haunted place in Richmond. And again, that comes from Worshipful Brother, Michael Joyner. Thank you, sir.
1: Wow, I was well done. Wouldn't want to be in that lodge yeah. by myself. It's a, little bit, <laughs> it's a, lot of, it's a little bit more than
2: just George floating around there. There's
1: <laughs> like competing uh, apparitions.
2: <laughs> but I liked how they were able to kind of peg some of the, well, the... The Wright Worshipful Brother, uh, the Grand Lodge Secretary. Mm -hmm. That was kind of cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: There's some nice images online if you go to their website. I I don't think the website's on there, but I searched up the the lodge online and saw some really cool, old, spooky kind of creepy photos, if anyone wants to look those up.
2: I think we have one more. ghost story here correct yes we do or tale of the crypt or tale of the lodge room or whatever we <laughs> want to peg it but I, before we do that because i don't want to i mean again we want to kind of keep that nice momentum going i'm just going to shout out real quick our lapel uh spin yeah uh, our lapel pin sponsor i'm a little tongue-tied there i guess these uh, <laughs> scary stories have got me a little looped out here um so this uh this again brethren out there who have uh Invested in the, the first three knocks and help us out with your, your sponsorship. We, we truly appreciate it, as, as we always do. And this uh, episode is sponsored by another local brother, uh, Brother Rob Lawrence. He hails all the way from Sutton, Ontario, out of Malone Lodge, number
1: 512. Brother Rob Lawrence, we thank you. Thank you, Brother Lawrence. All right, Uh, this next story comes to us from Joseph Schultz. He is a worshipful brother of, uh, worshipful master of St. John's Lodge number two. Wow, that's uh, one of the originals, huh? In Newcastle, Delaware. Uh, He wrote into the podcast when he heard we were doing this episode. So thank you, uh, worshipful brother Joseph Schultz. Worshipful brother Joseph reported to us that the members of his lodge for generations have always felt a presence in the lodge room when conducting ritual. Some brethren have even reported hearing indistinct whispers in the middle of giving their pieces of the tiled lodge in the tiled lodge during a degree. Brethren describe it as someone standing right behind them on the open lodge floor, leaning in and whispering right into their ear. Almost as if the voice is correcting their work When the brethren turn around to see who is behind them, no one is there. and the lodge, brethren are sitting quietly in their seats waiting for the brother to continue his peace, often causing the secretary to prompt the next word as a reminder, thinking the brother has forgotten his next line. This year, Brother Joseph became the worshipful master of his lodge. One of the first things he did after taking the chair was motion to contact a medium and ghost hunting team to investigate the suspected spirits in the lodge room. When the crew came in a couple of weeks later, they did a whole bunch of tests to reach the suspected spirit or spirits. One of the tests was an EVP session, which stands for Electronic Voice Phenomenon, and is commonly used in ghost hunting to record supernatural voices that may not be heard by human ears at the time. Brother Joseph reported that although he was present for all the tests being done, he, along with the medium and ghost hunters, never heard a response from the other side. After the tests and data collection were complete, a couple of the lodge members as well as the ghost hunting team and medium gathered around to summarize the exercises that they had completed. The only part that still needed to be reviewed was the EVP recordings. As the group sat around a table in the middle of the lodge room, the audio technician that was present hooked up his laptop to his portable speakers for all to hear. Just by looking at the sound files in his digital audio recorder, he could see there were some audio peaks on the screen, indicating some sort of noise pickup that was stronger than the room tone. Brother Joseph reported that he had chills running down his spine while waiting to hear that audio. Lucky for us, Brother Joseph was kind enough to send us the audio file that they recorded that day. It's very faint, but if you turn up your volume and listen very closely... You will hopefully be able to make it out. Listen close. That's not how we did it in my day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The First Three Knocks. Happy to meet, sorry to part, happy to meet again.